to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Do it on the computer for sure. All right, let's go. Hear ye, hear ye. The arrival of Count Flores is nigh. Pod damn America podcast approaches. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> ah, uh, put in um, some horse sounds there. Yeah, I need some background storming. Okay, thank you, Anders. This is what I was going to do to start the show. I found us uh, the website to help me with sounding more medieval. Greetings, Alex and and apostrophe RS Anders. Thanketh thee for joining me on our weekly Gothic Socialist podcast for the no more brain than stone children. I will desire thou art well. Brew thyself some kratom, inhale a breath of amyl nitrate, fixeth ye a nice big a margarita, and settleth in, because the present day we shall learneth about neo-feudalism, the theory popular amongst magicians on YouTube, yond posits yond we are heading backward toward a society resembling a previous mode of production runneth by counts, barons, dukes, kings, Lairds, that's an apostrophe in it. Earls oh, and nice. the liketh. Uh, I'm using a website I found where you translate, you type stuff into it, and then it translates it to old English. And I'll be really? using it's it. It's a website. <laughs> remainder of the show. It's technically Shakespearean, which is its own thing, I guess. But is it in iambic pentameter? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like babblefish or something. It's like old English, just translated to that the content doth commence yeah <laughs> it's, it's like middle english old english is like german have you ever seen old english it's weird. uh no it's like the warbling gar or whatever like words are all backwards and stuff wait so when did it become this. middle english in the middle ages that makes sense I defer. I've walked right into an area of expertise <laughs> I'm not qualified to talk about. Well, I know I'll in, see you in the next round. <laughs> I know in, it was only like 100, 150 years ago where they made spelling and shit grammar standardized in the US. So if you read like Lewis and Clark's old uh, writings, it's like they spell words differently throughout it, just depending on the mood they're in. And because uh, there, there's no like a right way to spell stuff. Spelling is imperialist in a way. Yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of a tangent, but anyway. There's a guy. I can't remember his name. I was reading about it a while back. There's like a, like a singular person whose mission it was to standardize the English language. And it's the oh, reason. God. He's the reason that it's like the word color has no U in it in America. Mm. Um, and that, that fan. It's dad, dad fan. fan. Yeah. That's who we're thinking of. <laughs> He hated uh, his name, and he, he had a grudge on the world. That would be a movie that that fan was in. Maybe, maybe they tried to like make a 
his big de- Hollywood debut was going to be him going back in time to make the English language what it is because we're yeah, turning it was a surprising chaos. a surprising theater bomb the dad fan goes back in time as himself movie <laughs> <laughs> leveraging all of the comedic weight of his comedy central presents <laughs> you know what this just made me think of is you know uh, a what was it a, a jester in king arthur's court what the what the fuck was it a uh, black someone- knight Black, well, yeah, it was sort of like Black Knight, but uh, what is that thing called? King Arthur's Court, a Round Yankee, table. a Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Okay. Uh, they did a version in the '90s with Whoopi Goldberg, and that was one of my first oh, introductions Whoopi? to. Yeah, and she brought she brings a laptop. The Black Knight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she brings a laptop back to the Middle Ages and uses it to like predict when an eclipse is coming and for some reason she gets an internet connection in like 1217 not realistic <laughs> big stretch audiences will not follow but yeah. she is much better in that movie than anything she's done since she was actually a great performer before she Tough. sold out anyway yeah and a communist. great songs with elmo what Can she you do that last she, part again she we lived in yeah, she lived in East Germany and was was a Marxist, and then somewhere oh, okay. around the line she became a shit lip. Yeah, all right, I'll chill out. You. <laughs> You're fucking weird. Um, so the reason I wanted to talk about this thing today, this uh, concept neo feudalism, is because you sort of hear it around. Um, it's kind of been echoing around some things I've been listening to and reading. And I was curious what people meant by it because it's a prediction about the future. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the reason it's timely, I guess, is because it's heavily invoked in uh, or uh, discussing like tech bullshit like tech dystopia stuff and with the passage of prop 22 in california and the biden administration's you know announcement that we're gonna like expand it and you know wink wink tie work with labor on it or whatever um people are going off and sort of invoking this idea that like that what's going on with Uber owning everything and you living in an Amazon Grubhub house and all this stuff. Oh my God, we're somehow reverting back to something resembling feudalism. And it's an interesting idea and it's like fun. I get why people get their heads around it and why it's like um, a good scary dystopia or whatever. But uh, I read about it a lot this week and the more I read about it, the more I think it's really kind of silly and it's uh it's like uh, it's libertarian kind of bullshit. Mm. We'll get into that a little bit later, but obviously it's the same thing that Hayek was talking about in like the road to serfdom, right? That's the yeah. big, big bet. That's the big bad. That's the big scary thing that you use to manipulate people is the idea that some thing that we're doing is going to, you know, it's going to put you down this road and then one day you wake up and like you're a, a farmer with a page boy haircut and you're tilling the land and you're like oh damn i shouldn't have signed that peti- move on.org petition to you know <laughs> to something with democrats or some shit i don't know you're gonna um, be covered in mud and you'll have to let jeff bezos fuck your wife that's that's what people are afraid of but it does play right into as a dumb guy i understand 
why libertarians are so up on this because the easy connection for feudalism, if you know nothing about it is uh, feudalism, big castles. That's like the big government. Right. It's like a big government. Oh no, you don't want yeah. that. Or yeah. the big like corporation. Now. Yeah. The big monopolies. We just got to bust some monopolies according to some people. Well, that's what's that weird of- about this is like with libertarians that they come at it from this side angle where like the problem is still like regulation, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Uh, third reason I wanted to talk about it is because it's very funny and I wanted to do jokes about, uh, you know, the Renaissance fair and shit like that <laughs> being in like the tech uh, dystopia because it's very, um, I don't know. I just enjoy the idea of Uber drivers on horses and things like that. It's a fun idea. <laughs> That's uh, Uh-oh. fun on the horizon. Got me going down this little road. Um, <laughs> it's a road to surf them. Yeah. Back on my bullshit. It is, uh, as someone who has been to a Renaissance fair, there are less tech people there than you'd hope. <laughs> More theater kids than tech. Yeah, I feel like they're probably there, but they're not wearing their tech clothes. There's right, this is what they do on weekends. Yeah. Anyone wearing a polo is in tech. That's how I work. Nerds have a really hard time living in the current timeline i feel like mm-hmm. everything's either got to be sci-fi or like medieval specifically right. or if you're yeah. really weird like civil or, war or steampunk Trans- yeah. steampunk has no place among the other two i think that that's like an aberration in culture that was like popped in like 2006 and hopefully has popped back out of existence because it doesn't even make a ton of sense yeah it's just a, a really a, aesthetic it's uh like Like high fantasy is a concept sci-fi is a concept steampunk is one specific idea where (laughs) steam is coal and that's all we have for that (laughs) yeah what did that come from was like a specific there is yeah it was um a a sci-fi writer i think used the term in some book and then it just launched this huge uh sort of movement of of um, it's a movement it's a movement yes i think it was it, well it's yeah hg wells jules verne they would write stuff that was kind of like like that uh let's see where the origin of the term was what if uh, a horse were a zeppelin could one imagine such things so it was a variant of cyberpunk and uh kw jeter was the first person to use it uh in one of his books and then it just kind of launched this in New I mean, York, it is. we love Jeter, don't we, folks? We <laughs> love him. Greatest has yeah. ever played the game. He's so steampunk. <laughs> I mean, Gita it is with the top hat. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, there's a steampunk cafe in Cape Town, South Africa. Um, but it is, yeah, this thing where like Quirky. people like to wear the clothing. And a lot of the time, the clothing doesn't really have that much to do with steam. It's just kind of like monocles. And yeah, leather. a big part of steampunk is that apartheid is still around. That's a big <laughs> element of it. That's the but, defining yeah. feature of the town. <laughs> but you can a- kind of like craft a civilization out of it in the world you would rather live in. You know, that's, I think, what the appeal is to a lot of people. It's like uh, cowboy era shit, too, because a lot of it comes like it, it sort of 
gained a popularity around the wild wild west will Smith. i was about to say right. i hate to pull the wild wild west card but <laughs> mechanical spiders let's talk about them yeah. well you know the the uh producer for that i forget his name but um i was a big kevin smith fan back in the day and apparently kevin smith was in talks to write a superman movie with the producer and um, the producer was like insisting that there be a giant spider in the Superman movie. And Kevin Smith was like, I don't know. I didn't, in the comics, Superman doesn't really fight that many spiders. I draw uh, the line at spiders, sir. <laughs> yeah. And then Wild Wild West comes out and it turns out he was a genius the whole time. He just wanted to see a big ass spider. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that's what it took to make it. That's what America wanted. Apparently. I've started uh typing trump tweets into the shakespeare bot this is how you say the haters and the losers in shakespeare the coxcombers and the losers (laughs) (laughs) there's a term for haters it's fun if only we could Uh, send we got to send trump back there get this guy out of the white house he'd be the king instantly yeah they would just think he's yeah a god like a goddamn stained glass window already yeah, dude, he's Habsburg-looking ass, start Although, to finish. <laughs> the thing is, back then, uh, being tan was was the, like a peasant thing. Um, so I would be in charge of shit. Uh, I'm like learning they, already. They thought that's why royalty would take milk baths, so they could be like extra white. So that's if they saw <laughs> if they saw someone like Trump, they may very well be just freaked out and think he's scum. Milk is so thick. Why would you do that? Why would you get in a bath of milk? <laughs> this That's probably how a lot of people got sick. Yeah, probably. It's not good. It's never been good for people. It's not not one time. No, it's definitely not good to get like your genitals exposed to it. I would imagine it's not, keep the keep your holes away from the milk. Oh, but God. you know what? Back on track here, neo feudalism <laughs> as a concept. Well, that's what it means. Exactly they want to the bring back. They want to bring back. In, they're going to invent new types of milk, oat milk, almond milk, and people are going to bathe in it. That's what they mean by neo feudalism. Can I just say what I thought? What I thought going into it, with before my lear- my learning process, uh, uh, researching for the show. Well, I think neo feudalism. I think like the Amazon Federation, and you live in their spaceship and you work for them. Or like, I'm sorry to bother you. How you live? You're like a slave in a little bunker, and you work I for love, them. They turn you into a horse. But I love this classic <laughs> film. I'm sorry to bother you. <laughs> quite enjoyable yeah no we're gonna get to that um because that's like kind of where i think people look at what's happening and then there are separate diagnoses right. of uh how we got there or where that's going and i guess kind of the conclusion i came to in reading about this stuff is that the diagnoses comes from uh people that don't understand like feudalism and capitalism being modes of production that are distinct from each other hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know, just uh, why those things are not, uh, you know, completely part of the same blob or whatever. Um, there's some interesting arguments. Uh, I, I, the main thing I think that if anyone wants to read about this and look at that's interesting is this uh, professor named Jody Dean wrote a piece about it. And um, let me pull it up. It's PSL enthusiast Jody Dean. She is, yeah. Yeah, uh, she writes, 
verso books and shit like that uh comrade you know she mm-hmm. has a presentation on it where she talks about a lot of the stuff from a marxist point of view um but i still kind of don't really understand what she's saying although to be fair this this uh, piece is titled neo-feudalism colon the end of capitalism with a question mark so i don't think it's really beating anyone over the head with like this is going to happen it's just an idea right um, yeah so, i but th- i just I, I think yeah there may be some at base we're not returning to feudalism but there are some like similarities in the form of you know uh, capital work, capital management, uh, capital ownership relations that like look like feudalism. They're hinterlands. Yeah, yeah. She sort of starts by citing uh, "Capital is Dead" by Mackenzie Wark, uh, which asks the question: What if we're not in capitalism anymore, but something worse? The question is provocative, sacrilegious, unsettling as it forces anti-capitalists to confront an unacknowledged attachment to capitalism. So this is actually, this is like, man, this is like that thing Amy Therese said the other day, where like anti-racism uh, needs racism or whatever. Um, really weird kind of way of putting it, right? But like, I guess she's sort of posing the question, what if what we're experiencing right now has developed qualities that are no longer definable as capitalism or are like beginning to resemble something else and you know it's an interesting question i think because so much of what marx describes as uh, capitalism is very material and commodity based and uh like, like i'm reading capital right now and one thing that came up in like a reading group i'm doing is um you know just this question that i think is pretty like relevant to living in america right now which is uh does this all apply to like a service-based economy in the same way because when you your job is to like teach someone tech or something like that it's not uh necessarily like a solid thing that then gets retraded it's like you're teaching knowledge and then there's all these questions of is that tradable though when you teach someone else a thing um Mm. you know the service industry itself is uh kind of you could argue that this doesn't fit directly into this you know way of analyzing things and so does a service-based economy where everyone you know where 90 percent of people are uber drivers and fucking you know app-based delivery people and you know fiverr people and stuff like that um and then 10 percent of people get served by them yeah. you know as, as scholar tim allen might say <laughs> hey carl how many sweaters goes into a freaking tiktok come on <laughs> oh, tim allen yeah. discovering carl marx this week has been the highlight of my week I love yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't uh, think so tim yeah well i think with the service sector now it's become kind of the commodity in many ways is in the experience of like going into a restaurant which is still persisting amazingly enough throughout covid uh or you know buying something at a store just that experience but it's still really a commodity or it's something that surrounds a commodity and i think the still the broad etching of um capital and labor relationships uh that mode of production that marx described is is still there it just like is different stuff for the most part and at the same time there's a shitload of stuff that is produced in factories just less of them are in the u.s u.s now 
or right. I'm kind of leaning the same way where the production hasn't changed. It's just the entire aesthetic of it is completely different now in a way that is misleading and maybe yeah. it is kind of something else. Well, I mean, also like 90% of what we talk about when we talk about commodification is like food and food is not something that you resell after you purchase and use it because that would be disgusting. You know, (laughs) this is all factored in still into the way the economy works. It's not um, as though everything is like just based on this idea of marketing and stuff or the market and trading and stuff like that. It's, it's all factored in. So it's, you know, it's people that read fucking the first chapter or whatever and then fucked off. Right. Um, but it's interesting. So she poses this idea of neo-feudalism as, um, this like kind of four pronged thing that you can look at our society and, uh, you know, project onto it and, and sort of, uh, you know, go from there. Right. So the first thing is parcelated sovereignty. So she's describing like when, um, you know, Rome sort of broke up and, uh, you know, f- fractured all this land off into a settlers of Catan board where everyone lives <laughs> on a different hex. And uh, then there's a fucking Lord and a count and all of the fun names for different, you know, things you can be in the chain of command of the Lord system um, or the feudal system. Um, and so she's saying that like, you can kind of see that now because one aspect of the feudal system is that, like legally the way the law is implemented in this system is um entirely up to whoever the lord of your land is right so it's um it's uh like subjective to them whether they want to enforce certain laws and it does kind of make you feel like we're living in the shittier version of that right now where if even if the uh, resource disparity is the same, how much better would it be to be a medieval lord than to just be like a trust fund kid? You get to make up <laughs> rules and everyone has to respect you where you kill them? That yeah. kicks ass. Yeah, well, I think she, was, she would kind of maybe be arguing like that it's the same. You are a medieval lord if you're a trust fund kid or whatever. Well, she's sort of starting to like abstractify it onto... Um, you know, the, the, the fucking Bezoses and the people that own the ass and the Peter Teals and stuff like that as being like the Baron or the Earl. I can't remember what order they all go in, but like, <laughs> or the King, I guess maybe. If Jeff Bezos, if you're Jeff Bezos, you're the King because you're the richest man in the world. Yeah. Or yeah. No one higher okay. than you. The King's at the top. And then whoever works for him is uh Duke. Duke. Yeah. An aristocrat class essentially of like people nobility they're separate from the serfs yeah and then if you run like the uh the uber eats office you're a gentleman which is (laughs) and gentry or whatever i don't know um (laughs) so then the next the next, uh, the next of the big four things she describes is lords and peasants. So, yeah, we're kind of just already talked about this a little bit. Now, there are new versions of lords and peasants, right? Um, you know, the, the lords being fucking all these people we just described, and then the peasants being you on your dog walker app or whatever. And 
sort of uh, looking at, so I guess like two things, right? To go back a little bit to the legal thing, the, the subjective nature of the laws being implemented. Um, she talks about like how, well, that technically kind of qualifies uh, for these huge apps because they all like, what do you call it? They all like launder their money offshore. So the mm-hmm. law doesn't apply to them, but it does apply to the people that work for them. And um if the serfdom thing, imagining yourself as a serf, well, the qualities that we're coming back around to that might make you feel like a serf if you are a gig worker are that you know serfs by definition don't really own anything and you know just exist to like till the land and work and stuff like that. And I don't know though, because this is where it's like starts to break up. Ah, the whole thing's kind of broken up for me, but like this is a, a big piece of it that doesn't really add up to me which is that part of being a gig worker is that you're actually kind of well i mean you're required to own your car i guess that is that does kind of feel like it like you own your car but it's also not really yours because they're just using it but they make you take care of it and all this stuff right and if you have debt you know it, it complicates the ownership of something and as soon as you get in an accident with that car it is definitely your car and they have no relationship oh boy to it. Yeah. I've seen a Lyft guy. So I got T-boned in a Lyft once by another Lyft. <laughs> and our driver was mad as hell. But uh, we got out of the car and thankfully like no one was hurt, but his car was totaled. And we looked at the other guy and he was just like weeping because he realized <laughs> he was like fucked. Even though he oh. hit us, he was like done for. Fuck. Oh, that's so sad. And it was weird too because we wanted, we had just gotten hit by a car. So we were like, fuck you, but I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's try to imagine this in like feudal terms. So you're riding on the back of an ox, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you, another guy is driving the ox, and then you are T boned by another ox, and the ox is on fire, and the guy <laughs> is crying. Um, does you totaled my ox? <laughs> does uh, does the Baron come in and uh, buy you a new ox? You know, I think they come in and just like rule on who owes who what, and they they don't have to really do anything. They just uh, decide who gets to behead who, or um, you know, who owes who what amount of of doubloons or whatever. And I think that's kind of similar. That is kind of similar today because the yeah the the company is not employing any of these people, so they don't have to take any responsibility for it. Uh, but the court system is is going to decide um, for these people who are paying legal fees, uh, who owes who money, who is in debt peonage to who. So a long time ago, when we talked to Matt Crispin on the show for the first time, he said something that I thought was really interesting, which was that uh, with the rise of capitalism in the market, you also saw like this completely this complete outburst of uh, a million lawyers, right? Suddenly mm. this is a very necessary job to sort of like negotiate between all these transactions that are happening between people and stuff. Right. So we still have the lawyers and shit and the court system uh, in like situations like this. But I mean, there's an argument that can be made that the, the tech companies are kind of reaching back into that world and overtaking the law themselves a little bit. Um, I don't know though. Right. Well, that that's the complicating part of it because when you go into the sci-fi element of it, of a you know United Federation of Amazon, it's assumed that you're going to have a company essentially start creating a legal structure like their estate. But a company has no impetus 
to act like a state. There's no reason why you should even bother doing it. It doesn't help you accumulate profit. And the only reason a company exists is to create profit. So that's like, I don't know, it's two different machines to me. I don't think it's the same thing. Yeah, it's kind of like off. Instead of um, like turning everything into an Amazon, you know, warehouse and school for your children and like thing to live in and everything, like a weird, you know, like Bezos fallout sort of, uh, you know, there's a robot with a gun that makes you go to work type of shit. It's, I think it's more like if you want to put this in dystopian sci-fi terms, it's like one of those weird stories where everyone is just like, like pushed off to live in like the gutters and stuff. And then that's not really the problem of the company. It's like, you know, this is a side gig or whatever. Um, Right. If, uh, if these companies had any way to actually like invest control over the population, they would do it. Like we wouldn't be having these serious issues with climate change. If companies had any thought of what was going to happen besides their next like quarter profits or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think in feudalism, there were uh, like boards basically that were set up through um, bodies of, of commerce, like different uh, fiefdoms or whatever would decide we're okay. We're going to appoint these people to, to uh, settle the disputes, um, the private tribunals. Um and they had those big hook masks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those crazy doctor masks, the one that uh Christy Tebow had come in and check out her <laughs> warts or whatever. Um, but the but the relationship to the state is the interesting thing. Um Tegan, Christy Tegan. Uh the Tim Tebow's doing- wife, Christine <laughs> Tebow. <laughs> I thought you were saying that as a joke. <laughs> I, I don't know. You I'm have saying. snappy names for everybody. I just thought that was your name for her. Let's go with that. Yeah. Uh, but the the kings, I think, had a an understanding with these lords. And I'm not sure totally what, what separates a king from a lord. I think the king is just the one that's like been endowed by God or thinks they are. Uh, yeah, but, it's the, magic but the lords. Involved. Yeah, but the lords would just say like, "Okay, yeah, we're we're under your kingdom. Sure, we can. I can do whatever I want within this within my little you know fiefdom." And the king was like, "Sure, yeah, you just got to accept me as your your you know designated uh, ruler by God, and you can do whatever you want." So it was like this weird understanding. I think you have um, to believe I came down from a mountain uh, after a cloud gave birth to me, and if you can co-sign that then I will give you grain every six months. No, I'm sorry. Then you will give me grain every six months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they had some sort of uh, patronage system there, but then with the disputes, they had these things set up that were purely private. And I think maybe we'll see things like that in, in the future, you know, but if there's a, a well, what's the difference uh, dispute- between that and like a, like world bank or, you know, these international organizations well they're they're backed by states and these are just um i mean at what i guess the similar thing would be in the future would be uh they're purely private they're purely you know boards that are uh agreed upon by businesses to uh resolve their own disputes man i really want to be on a board i want to be on a council that'd be cool evil council um Moving on a little bit, uh, <laughs> factor number three, Jody <laughs> identifies this thing called hinterlandization, right? So 
another aspect of feudalism is that you're sort of tied to your land like physically you can't leave and get another job if you don't like making oats or whatever right because um the the space where you live is surrounded by barren unlivable woods and you don't really have the means to leave and so there's a natural sort of closing in right and you probably look at this and go well that's not true if you live in san francisco or something um but she sort of poses an argument that the hinterlands are now you know they're like uh they're in your mind or whatever like they're they're not like physical they're um you know, they just have to do with you, like, de facto not being able to work anywhere else or, um, you know. That's pretty spooky. I think that's appropriately <laughs> gothic. The werewolves of the mind keeping you at your dishwashing job. Yeah, she did have an interesting point about this in uh, the lecture I watched where she was talking about how there's this sort of trend on the left of envisioning uh, municipalism. Uh, so cities sort of having like decentralized, um, you know, economies and, and governance systems. And, and that doesn't always take into account, in her view, the uh, agriculture that's sort of like exterior to the city, but the city depends on. Um, and so we have to think of it even more, you know, like a good Marxist, we have to think of it even more in terms of, of central planning, which people are perhaps skeptical of uh, after, you know, the late Soviet Union. But um, I think that is true to an extent that like uh, if we're just viewing, we have to yeah address this hinterlandization or whatever she calls it with like a comprehensive view of an entire uh, society and making sure we're not just like democratizing and egalitarianizing one um, region without doing the same for, for another that's agricultural. This part seemed more abstract to me than the, uh, lords are trust fund kids part. That was much more easy to understand. Yeah. 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 This one's kind of all over the place. I mean, I think that she's probably talking about like how people in these like tech cities and stuff are starting like, you know, you can farm in your apartment window or whatever, or there's like a community garden or something like that. And that kind of, uh, being a dead end in terms of feeding all of society. Well, what's the first thing you think of in terms of like, if you got a job at Google, the first thing you think of is you get the beanbag chair and the pinball machine in the office. And so if they create this little bubble that you have to live in, you can work 24 seven, which is the danger of essentially like a company town is once, once you don't leave, that means you are fully under their control. You you don't really have the ability to leave anymore. Yeah, and you're not um, having a sense of community in your life outside of employment. So even if you're not like directly reproducing capital for them, if you're if you're off the clock, you're still hanging out. Uh, you're still enjoying their you know fruits that they've given you, their beanbag chairs and their ping pong tables and all that stuff. And then you never really go home and meet people from your community who work at other places and, you know, decide like, hey, maybe Google shouldn't control all the land around us. Maybe we should, you know, uh, organize and make sure that doesn't happen in a, you know, civic or political way. It's It sort of has this depoliticizing effect on the people um, that work for it and who, who live near it uh, in a way that, yeah, I think we saw with company towns in, in like, West Virginia, who um, had to respond to all the labor militancy, uh, 
uh, all the like the subversive um, organizers who were like challenging their power. And ult- and one of the ways they responded to it was by creating uh, welfare capitalism. So they like they built playgrounds for their employees. They gave they gave them slightly better conditions um, than they had before, and that was sort of intended to pacify people. Are you mad at us? We made swings for your Irish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's part of the mental hinterlandization, right? You, yeah. you only, your life only exists in like the commons or whatever. And like the, co- the commons was also a part of uh, feudalism. Um, right. So it's actually the uh, good part that we don't have anymore. Let's get yeah. that back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I mean, you, so we'll get into like the company town thing a little bit after this, because you're right that, you do kind of have it, but there's it's like a fucked up version of it if you do work in the evil, you know, Google building or whatever. Right. It's like you there's a pinball machine, but you're gonna feel very guilty the whole time you're using it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not you're not gonna feel like you are done farming tomatoes. Unless you're the guy whatever. who gets fired, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you get to enjoy it like on your last day, I guess. As the guy who gets fired a lot, I can tell you this is a trap I've run into quite a few times. Like the pinball <laughs> machine. <laughs> Where they're hey. like, yeah, 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 there's beer at the office. And they're like, Alex, you've been drinking the beer in the office. <laughs> that was actually the idea behind the pinball machine at Creek in the Cave. Uh, it was to... <laughs> Yeah, the Creek in the Cave was a feudal system for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we it's called the it. Creek and the Cave. You're right. <laughs> the My... Creek and Plato's Cave. You mine <laughs> ore in the cave, or you work the the creek. You work the creek. I don't know how this works. Um, <laughs> you pay. It's going to be a separate episode for just New York comedians. Yeah, fair good point. Right. <laughs> we um, we explain how each closed comedy venue is an economic system. Yeah, <laughs> the stand. Uh, fascism. I don't know. <laughs> well, they're still open. Um, fourth thing. The fourth element of feudalism, catastrophism. <laughs> so this is this is the wildest one in this article, yeah. in my opinion. It's like she's talking about how, uh, you know, okay, I'll read a little bit. A loose, mystical, neo-feudal ideology, one that knits together and amplifies apocalyptic insecurities, seeming to take the form of the... The new embrace of the occult. Okay. <laughs> uh, techno-pagan and anti-modern. Examples include Jordan Peterson's mystical Jungianism and Alexander Dugan's mythical geopolitics of Atlantis and Hyperborea. I have no idea what that is. Um, <laughs> this is so, some real grad paper shit to me. This, <laughs> this seems oh, like I, you had to f- fill an extra 300 words. I don't know. <laughs> Dugan, is she... I know, uh, I know some people who are really uh, down on him because he's. I know white supremacists apparently like the Atlantis myth. It's um, right. you know because fish are white. This, yeah, it well, yeah it harkens back to this sort of like white uh, yeah mythical ethno state. So maybe that's what she's hinting at. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, Atlantis and Lemuria, the other lost city. There's like, um, there's like weird online. The media doesn't want you to know about Lemuria. They're hiding Google Lemuria. (laughs) (laughs) Gets into like flat Earth territory if you read about this shit. But there's like people that think that there was another lost city called Lemuria where like giants lived and shit. And then I guess there's Nazis that are into it. 
It kind of it makes sense to me in that catastrophization is, uh, you know, your king has power over you because the whole stick they wave at you the whole time is if you didn't have the king, you'd be conquered by barbarians or the neighboring state would come and get you. And uh, modern capitalism does have that. But I also think that kind of like all forms of government have that. So it's not like a lock to me the same way. Yeah, this is a weird one to me because it sounds to me like an old out-of-touch person is just going, why are the kids doing tarot cards? In <laughs> There's <Bushwick?"> witches now. <laughs> yeah, and they're right. doing curses to the moon because they're babies? <laughs> I mean, you know, you could uh, you could go a lot of different directions with this. One is, uh, I don't know, it's just kind of a joke, you know, which is what the whole goth thing is about. Like when I talk about it, it's mostly a bit, you know, um, it's a little bit of an aesthetic thing that comes from you know i fucking argue sometimes like catholicism and shit like that kind of gives rise to you know a a generation later like you know just stupid goth shit uh like catholicism is the most goth shit of all time it's all about fear of the devil yeah rules (laughs) (laughs) um i used to have a bit about that about how why that's like why okay basically what we just talked about but like um the other but the other stuff she's talking about is like you know this Jordan Peterson stuff and like the crystals and the paganism and stuff like that. You know, I definitely think that Connor Habib would disagree with me when I say this, but a theory I've had for some time about this is that like new age shit is kind of a secular religion that's floating around out there right now for a lot of our generation and the one maybe a little bit older than it. And it's, uh, it's very individualistic in terms of explaining your like, soul's you know arc in this universe like where it's going (laughs) it takes it away from being like something that's communal um or something that uh is somewhat organized and it's like it's it's doing what religion does to people's brains but it's it's sort of like putting a lot of the stuff that you would usually place on um you know getting from some sort of guru or whatever on like you know you're individual like you're not actualizing hard enough or whatever to see god you know um, do either of you guys have a crystal aunt i um, have uh i have a like a spooky santeria grandmother but that's I not have, new age I, I have a mom old and dark the, age <laughs> you you do anders well my mom's into homeopathy and all sorts of things I would count that. Is she religious too, or is that just no? But she was of. she was raised Catholic, so I think that definitely feeds into it. Oh, so uh, we're a hundred percent right then. You're saying because <laughs> yeah. uh, my aunt also was very Catholic, and now doesn't seem to as into that as much. But also, like, does think her stones cure cancer, and if you bring <laughs> it up at Christmas, she will fight you in front of the family. So, <laughs> this is there's like people have very strong feelings about this stuff, right? It's, how you've organized your life, right? It's like the wafer and the the wine or whatever. Yeah, it replaces that in a way. But I think that though with Jordan Peterson and stuff, what she's kind of saying is that things seem like very bleak to a lot of people. And so these kind of calls to, you know, I want to say mysticism, but like old sort of myths and uh, mystical legends and and things and um, the Middle Ages and feudalism, uh, I think, appeals to some people um, because, you know, if you 
listen to Jordan Peterson, and uh, I assume this Dugan guy, I'm not too familiar with him, but it looks like he's kind of fast. This Dugan is, kid. It, it's all about, like, uh, hierarchy, you know? And that's kind of, like, the Middle Ages, that was a bigger, the big thing. Like, people are preordained, as we are saying, to, to rule, and other people are preordained to be their servants. And um, that's kind of what Jordan Peterson is all about, is, like, knowing your place in the hierarchy, and you're going to be happy if you find it and just uh, just be, you know, content to serve another person or dominate another person. I, I'm a count. It all makes sense now. <laughs> You're yeah. a count. Well, I don't know if you were about to talk about this soon, but the interesting thing about the neo-feudalism stuff is uh, if, if you're looking into it, there is, you know, a few lefty articles in the Los Angeles Review of Books you can read uh, that in, it, dissect it intellectually. But then the first thing I found that popped up was an alt-right YouTube guy from Norway. And I think this actually does have a lot of purchase on the right because those people can kind of see this ship is going down as much as we can. Yeah. Right. And they want to kind of explain what's going on for their own way. But it's a stupid because it's all about like, that's why we have to deregulate oil or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so there's this guy, Joel Kotkin, that uh, Jody Dean talks about right up top of this article, who is uh, a conservative geographer. And his whole thing is that he envisions the U.S. future as a mass serfdom, a propertyless underclass uh that survives by servicing the needs of higher earners yada 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 all the things we're talking about but his solution to it is uh deregulating the oil industry so as yes. to put fuel back into like the heart of american society the suburbs where everything runs on cars and shit like that which is backed by you know i fucking nothing like it doesn't make any sense people as a more Medieval scholars Metallica once said, give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Oh, I should put reload. Um, I should put Metallica into the Shakespeare bot. I oh, put a, tr- a Trump. Tweet. Yeah, do it. This is do, what I, do, do Metallica next. I'll do the Metallica next. It's going to take me a minute to load it up. This is uh, Trump tweeting in Shakespearean at Fox News and the fake news networks aren't showing these massive gatherings. Instead, those gents hast their reporters standing in almost exulficate streets. Ooh. Anon hasn't suppression by the presseth. MAGA. <laughs> <laughs> MAGA! <laughs> Fun. That's like his uh, his power word. He used that to reach out to his dark, his dark lord. Yeah, it's like Excelsior. Oh, MAGA! <laughs> <My guy. laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, let's talk about this like libertarian bed a little bit because um what's Did you guys all watch that video I sent you? Yeah. I, I did, yeah. The Norwegian guy <laughs> drinking beer in the woods. <laughs> yeah, like, I I, I, I couldn't tell you I don't think he said anything. <laughs> I watched it's eleven minutes long. I watched it. It's mostly like a Norwegian man almost setting his shirt on fire at the first five seconds of the video, brushing it out, then sitting in the smoke and being like it's going to be with Joe Biden. Serfdoms, <laughs> serfdoms. Oh, the smoke's in my eyes. Normally yeah. it's at the camera, but now it's in my eyes. Right. Ah. This, this is a guy who, 
he makes sort of these survivalist uh, YouTube videos of him in the woods talking um, about how he's, you know, free from society or whatever. He's his own master. But I am 99% sure that after he finishes filming these things, he goes back to his, like, rent-controlled, subsidized Norwegian apartment and, like, lives in normal fucking life like this is there's a whole part of the video about how uh he's mad other people are wearing masks for covid right which is a very scandinavian thing apparently they're not doing it in sweden but um yeah i it's it's he he yeah he views feudalism as just the government you know like we're saying before and uh the the vaccines and all that stuff is is the feudal lords controlling um so in a way it's a very like Middle Ages response to feudalism, which is to escape to the woods and, and live by yourself. Yeah, and drink. He drank a beer the entire video. At the end of it, he's like, it's not alcoholic by his way. Which, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Just drinking O'Toole's in the woods by a campfire, buddy. I mean, I guess he was. Follow me he... on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, okay. I want to. I want to talk about the libertarian thing, but I think first I want to get back into the company town thing. So like I was thinking about all this. I thought it was kind of interesting because what the, the libertarian or conservative point of view on this doesn't really understand, I think is that feudalism and capitalism are separate modes of production as we understand them as Marxists with this like distinct thing that happened that pushed it in one direction and probably prevents it from really going back. Capitalism is a cohesive thing that will not magically reform into like King Arthur's court with wizards and shit and, uh, you know, people living on in serfdom or whatever. Right. Um, it has tangible like qualities that sort of hold its shape, even if it morphs a little bit is what we're like talking about. And, um, something that, I, I think the reason that maybe they didn't they don't really understand that is because there's this thing with conservatives where, you know, they hate tyranny, right? But they don't really seem to be able to uh, differentiate between the tyranny of government and the tyranny of like big capital and like private industries and stuff like right. that. Um, and a lot of them consider. I don't know. Like, there's just no distinction, and so what you a lot have of the is, tyranny is if you criticize their comedy special. Also, that is <laughs> that's <tyranny>. something I've <laughs> noticed. <laughs> well, it's also yeah. I mean, it's also a lot of very comfortable people. Like we we're talking about, this yeah. The tyranny is coming from inside the house of the <laughs> yeah. Zoom call. Yeah, right. It's uh, yeah. It's it's like a. It's often the most like comfortable people in society, really, who are like you know they got to go become dale gribble and like go into the garage and start making up like conspiracies to you know explain why they feel kind of weird because yeah you know you're still not really actualized if you're someone who has a house and a car and a garage and all that shit like you still go to sleep at night you're like this still sucks why right what's that that simon's What's that guy's name who does like a ton of uh, amphetamines and like lives out in the woods and said the says the n word and all his specials? Um, Fuck, what's that guy's name? Could be it's, anybody. Right. Could be literally anybody. <laughs> um, Chris Gethard. <laughs> Let's go with that. What a comedian. Yeah. Fuck. Sorry. I'll I'll figure it out. Never mind. 
What is the comedian does with Beth that lives in the woods and says the N-word? Oh, oh, um Owen Benjamin. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Figured out the <laughs> Put in some medieval sounds. Put them in. He wants his own fiefdom. That's what he he dreams of. You know, he wants to create it, New York State, and just like have surfs and, and do his offense and have them like clap and laugh at his offensive comedy. You know, keep clapping well, or I'll say my slurs. <laughs> it's weird because what these people have imagined is um, that it's government run and that's what makes it terrifying and horrible right because it's like inescapable if it's government run and then it's tyranny um i guess i was thinking about this and i was talking about this with somebody and i was like um you know what is this argument that we like revert back into like knights and shit like that it's like fucking weird right and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of odd that someone would pose that argument with uh surrounding like something like prop 22 because what's happening with prop 22 is um you know these tech companies by reshaping the economy and um, ca- and you know reassigning the workforce to be one of independent contractors instead of employees or workers or whatever, they're skirting all these labor laws that were won in the last like century or so, and that's where we're reverting back to, right? So then you could kind of make this argument that like the Prop Twenty Two dystopia doesn't put you back into serfdom it just sort of puts you back into something resembling like the company towns that the miners and shit lived in before like the battle of Blair mountain, all the, you know, wobblies and turn of the century fucking, um, uh, mother Jones people and shit. And that might be maybe a little bit more of an apt thing to overlay on top of these, uh, you know, Amazon communities and stuff like that. And Google offices where you have, um, you know, like you said, like beer and a movie projector and shit like that. Mm. You might be living closer to someone who, uh, you know, lived in a, a precarious sort of untenable capitalist situation around, you know, 1890 or something like that. Your um, life is closer to a miner in West Virginia than it is to a farmer in France in 1535. Right. And yeah. I, I guess that the reason that is kind of uh, unpalatable of an argument to pose towards a conservative is that that identifies the fucking thing that got you out of that situation as those labor wins, right? Mm-hmm. And identifies what the companies that are are doing is uh, skirting the labor wins to sort of form into like an evil corporate overlord, which in... Uh, I guess in conservative ideology, that's that's sort of a good thing. Like it's supposed to be good when there are monopolies and stuff like that. It's supposed to like you know because um, there's very powerful businessmen and they've well, used their free labor to get to the top because they've been the best. So isn't that nice? Well, but a lot of you know libertarians and conservatives claim that monopolies only arise from uh, crony capitalism and from the government's intervening and creating a monopolies, which we know is not true, but it seems like nominally anyway, they at least oppose uh, monopoly power and want a, a decentralized economy. But it, I think this guy who's Lanier, who she's talking about, doesn't he support UBI? Um, Something? I, I don't know. They just, so. She talks I about think- that in the article. She says that she doesn't support it, right? Because it would be kind of like your little pittance to live off of. Right. Yeah, she I says guess. it sucks and is lame. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it all depends on how it's how it's uh, distributed, right? You know, if it's done in this way where you're deregulating everything and uh, Yang style, that would suck. But I, I don't know. I I'm sort of, um, you know tempted to support it if it's like if we nationalized an industry and just gave Anders. everybody a... <laughs> I can't do that fine Anders are you no, supporting I mean, UBI again I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm sort of ambivalent about it I think it depends on how it's done right if what we about full communism Anders well that I'm for Definitely. okay yeah well let's talk the about full communism a little bit so um, I was reading about company towns and uh, the Battle of Blair Mountain a little bit. Battle of Blair Mountain's awesome. There's a really great Rev Left Radio episode on it. It's really long. Um, if you don't know about it, it's really cool. It's the largest labor uprising in American history and the largest armed conflict since the Civil War. Um, it takes place uh, in West Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's all these fucking uh, union guys fighting against the goddamn feds and shit. It's. Uh, it's cool, right? Um, Long story, TLDR. TLDR. <laughs> but it, it happened right after this, you know, situation where people are living in these fucking untenable company towns, which is, uh, you know, something throughout history that you see as like the, the uh, what do you call it? The, 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 the fucking pretense for, you know, conflict. It's, it's, it's crazy that you could... Uh, capitalist system can have its workers living in the sorry to bother you house and then eventually people are like all right fuck this right 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 because that's the problem with the sorry to bother you house right is the company has to set up a house so that you live and work there but then there's no incentive for them to make it a good house right (laughs) it just sucks ass and you have to live there because there's no incentive right well so (laughs) i started reading about something else um because there there are still a few company towns around there are a lot of them in other parts of the world still but in america like i remember last year when i was driving up uh california uh sarah june was telling me about a couple of towns outside of these tech cities where that are like basically company towns or like places that are like vestiges of what used to be company towns and like the you know the farming out there i can't really remember exactly what there was one town where they farm one fucking thing and everybody worked for the company and everyone got sick and all this shit i don't know there's stuff like this all over the place but there's one that's still kind of around but it's not really what it was in uh what it was aiming to be or whatever and that's um celebration florida which is a planned Mm -hmm. community but where it came from is really interesting is a Walt Disney, right before he died, became fixated on the idea of creating like a like futuristic. When I say futuristic, I mean like the art movement futurism, um, utopian like worker town for everyone who worked at Disney World Florida to live in, and like it would be um a situation where like no one owned their property right and you Mm. would just be an employee who lives in an apartment and then you work at florida uh, at the disney world and there was like at least if i could find it um you get to be at disney world so (laughs) that's the trade-off doesn't that sound goofy that's for sure (laughs) it's uh it's super like fucking banksy shit um and for anyone that doesn't know this it's it was called the original project was called Epcot, and now that which is now Epcot Center. Epcot stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. So it was. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm having a Metal Gear Solid moment right now. <laughs> <laughs> what he envisioned it for was this crazy, like 1950s 
vision of a utopian futuristic town where like the company runs fucking church uh uh you know postal service there's a monorail that goes everywhere there was uh something called let's see tomorrow tomorrow okay here we go the seeds for the epcot concept first appeared at tomorrowland in disney after all epcot would feature monorails and people movers and the plans in addition tomorrowland featured the monsanto house of the future (laughs) 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 there's just crazy shit like that you hired all these crazy architects Everything was just, you know, the Raytheon Children's Hospital or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, he just died at, like right after they basically used a bunch of shell companies to buy up all this land surrounding Disneyland. And legally, there's still a sliver of it that's like not owned by the company. So it's somehow legal or whatever. But uh, they gave up. And as they gave up, the Epcot Center. The reason it's a dome is because he was like obsessed with domes. Um, yeah, he wanted he's to obsessed look- with getting domes. Getting- <laughs> yeah. Get that yeah. dome city. <laughs> you can see it through his work. Right. That's why Goofy was so goofy. What do you think Mickey's job was as Sorcerer's Apprentice? It was giving <laughs> dome. Yeah. All the brooms are very phallic for that reason. He's, oh. he's, he's sort of fluffing them into. Okay. So <laughs> there um there was uh his original plan was for the entire city to be inside of like a giant like astrodome type situation. He got the idea from this architect that had the same idea to take over the 1965 wait I can't remember the exact year. 60-something World's Fair. There was some guy that was trying to turn like the Chicago World's Fair or some shit into a city for a while. Um, that oh, he nice. Gave up too. Walt Disney made a video about this. He was like two months from death. He had lung cancer and he was just making Disney videos, like pitching these to the government and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um and uh, eventually, you know, they gave up on the project, right? And it turns into Celebration Florida, which is more of just a, like, it's a fucking planned community. It's just a gated community sort of situation. Um, it's pretty funny. It's 88% white, even though they tried to, like, incentivize people of color to move to Celebration right. and, like, work in the gift shop and stuff. Why, <laughs> why wouldn't that work, you know? <laughs> Don't you want to be with your T.O., Mickey Mouse? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, they refused to like subsidize the housing, so it went to yeah people who could afford that, who uh, disproportionately white, and then they, and then a lot of the housing still sucks, right? It's like dilapidated in a lot of places, and yeah, right, and yeah, have- it's a classic uh, white guy mistake right there. Mm-hmm. Buying up all all the houses in the <laughs> in the Disney suburbs and finding out they're actually really shitty, but you try to act like like it's a good deal. I do remember, uh, like fifteen years ago, longer than that, maybe they uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wanted to make their training camp in Celebration, Florida, and the residents were like, "Uh, what? Wait, who who plays for this team again? Uh, like, what generally like uh, background? What what are they? You know." Look like and, so and they, it's called football but you catch it with your hands <laughs> i don't i don't i'm not sure if that's what we're about but they just like freak there was like a scare 
you know, a scare campaign in the town of like all these black men will be running through the streets of celebration. <laughs> They'll be touching down. <laughs> Doing their little touchdown dances, celebrating in celebration. <laughs> you let your teenage daughter out of the house and all of a sudden there's a turnover on downs. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice phraseology there. Someone's like... football literate. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying so. It's almost the big game. Turkey day. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I like the idea of a Florida swamp guy trying to resell a bunch of old Disney crap that isn't valuable anymore. <laughs> like uh, This is animatronic goofy right here. Let me tell you. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Yeah, what you what you got here? This, this is a Buzz Lightyear. You can yeah. put you can put this just on anywhere, you know, uh, to infinity and beyond. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. This is very valuable, like that type of shit. Yeah, <laughs> this is not part of the house. This is a gator. Stay away from the gator. <laughs> um. Anyway, um. So. Also a very interesting wormhole to go around reading about like Epcot and celebration and stuff like that. But I guess what was interesting to me about it specifically was that everything's owned by the company. Almost nothing is run by any, any like even the government outside of it, except for like, you know, the government still sort of has a handle on some uh, property taxes and stuff like that. Um, and it's, you know, supposed to be this utopia, right? But it didn't really take form and instead it turned into just like a gated community suburb and um it's something that you might look at and go this is th this is this feudalism thing that you're talking about right this is the company owning everything and everyone works for it but since it's not owned by the government and it's owned by a private organization you don't really have these sovereign citizen guys that are like you know fucking angry at disney or whatever it's mm -hmm. just sort of like uh I don't know. I'll just I'll just move somewhere else or whatever. Um, and I, I believe, unless you own property there, you can't vote. Which is can you legally do that? <laughs> I guess so because it's some like aren't there amendments about that and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Voting, it, it's like technically a community development district. Which it's like some weird Florida law loophole, which is like alternative to uh, it. It's just like I don't know. It's technically not a town, or it's unincorporated, so it's incorporated by a, a company, so they can do what they want. Right, right. This is right next to Purge Town, Florida, where all crime <laughs> is legal. <laughs> so it's one of those like situations, like like with like felons, where like everyone's bodies are counted just grafted onto like one guy in a Disney Mickey Mouse hat and he owns everything and then he votes with like a million times the power of one voter he just swings an entire district or something yeah because that is a that, that's a law in Florida like that if you're in prison your body's counted but it's just given to people outside right so yeah like, wait in what way like they like for the census for like for the census, like they'll they'll build a jail in a conservative like area and the people in jail will count for the census, but they won't be allowed to vote. So they'll get more representation in Congress. 
Yeah, they use it to swing districts and shit. And there's like a theory that if, if felons could vote it, it would have swung the 2000 election, which I know you like talking about, Anders, the 2000 election. Uh, there's another <laughs> four hours of content. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I wonder, I'm going to look into that. That's really fucked up that you can't vote if you live in like goofy <laughs> land or whatever. <laughs> Also, uh, yeah, because that's been a big issue recently for uh, like mascots or the people who work at Disney World and land who, you know, get have terrible working conditions. I think like a few years ago, Bernie tweeted about it and he was like, uh, more wages and poor working conditions is not what Goofy and Mickey Mouse are supposed to be all about. <laughs> right. And that. he was right. <laughs> Um, uh, but maybe they live in so I don't yeah I don't know if they live in celebration but that would make sense for them to want to de- disenfranchise those people. The issues of of the mascot community are the issues of the Disney class. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I guess in conclusion, I don't really know where I'm kind of headed with all this. It's just kind of a sprawling bunch of information I had in front of me and I think that like the the I I generally think neo feudalism is a silly idea that's mostly imagined by weirdo like sovereign citizen YouTube guys and isn't going to happen. What is actually going to happen is probably, um, you know, not even the the company town thing necessarily because it's almost more insidious in that that everything that you lack when you live in the company town, you also lack when you live freely in New York and work a shitty job. You don't really have to, you don't live in a house with all the other, you know, the delivery guys or whatever, uh, you know, all the other caviar drivers or whatever, but you still lack all the things that you normally lack. So you, you don't even really have communication um, I don't know. I, I guess my take on this is uh, a third thing is what's going to happen because, you know, you don't really have, I mean, unless you have these Peter Thiel's and Bezos and shit going the route of Epcot at some point, which it could happen. I could see Elon Musk trying to start his own fucking town or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would think that if they weren't so determined to leave the planet. Because <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk will have that on Mars. Right. Yeah. For his Mars One program or whatever that's called. Uh, he's going to have to make... They, they had an article come out a few weeks ago that like the laws, <laughs> the laws of America are not the laws on the Elon Musk Mars colony. Because like, what the fuck are you going to do about it? You gonna <laughs> oh, I remember. Make a Jeez. phone call? <laughs> it's a different planet, bitch. Um, oh, yeah, the, I was gonna say, speaking of laws, another thing I forgot to mention about the uh Disney town is that they kind of have Disney cops, it's pretty weird. They're not really allowed to have guns, but they do a lot of other shit. Very eerie. <laughs> It'll be interesting. They have Keyblades, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're all Sora. <laughs> so there's I mean, two, two other guys behind them that are just throwing yeah. shit. You gotta hope your party isn't busted up by Riku, because that's gonna be a bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll go to Antarctica, because you know they're the laws there are sort of sketchy. I don't think they really have them. There's like some treaties that you know say some things for the explorers to go there but I don't honestly think re- antarctica would make more sense for companies to settle in than mars i don't yeah. think anyone has thought the mars idea through all the way <laughs> right it's gonna be real tough wait is mars cold or hot 
It's very cold. Very it's cold. It's a okay. planet farther away than Earth. But the thing is, when you think about, like, if you, and this could be a whole other episode, and it's going to be a huge tangent, but uh, uh, if you were going to terraform Mars, because that's what sci-fi likes to do, is you make Mars like Earth. Whoa! And even if you could hypothetically do that, and it took a thousand years, Mars's magnetic core is gone the planet is dead there's no moving rock under mars so you can't like set up half the shit you have on earth right it's not gonna work um they don't have an atmosphere so well it'll be interesting to see what are you gonna do with that now that antarctica is like melting you know maybe it's easier for humans to settle there and that's what they're gonna do it's possible although like how are you gonna it doesn't make a lot of sense to set up a business there, but if you got to just go and create your personal kingdom someplace, it's, it seems like a good one as any. Oh, this is always my fucking soapbox, but uh, the, the whole thing about the fun uh, Space Kings theory is it might take a while to kick in, and <laughs> in terms of how long the Earth will be livable, I'm not sure we have the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too that bad. No Dune. They would be like right about to do it and then kind of everything goes down. Oh no, we live on Venus now and the sun is, the sky is fire. So it didn't pan out. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing I guess that makes me think like this isn't entirely like a foreseeable future is that you kind of already have something resembling company towns that's just sort of reformed that don't have the logo everywhere which is like these planned community type things that are just like malls that people live in that have been cropping up since the 90s or so like there's one in austin called the domain that's in like a rich neighborhood that a lot of different tech companies have their employees you know i don't know if you have to live in it but it's just like it's all there and you know it's super convenient and if you want to you can live this weird life that's in an outdoor mall that's also an apartment and uh it's all sort of like homogeneously dissipated it's not like you know globo corp or whatever Uh right like Um, kendrick lamar once said you can live at the mall but um (laughs) on a scaled down level i mean if an entire town works at the walmart how is that that different from what we're talking about either? So maybe a lot of this has already happened. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I do think like, you know, there's a lot of discussion now as we're talking, as we've been talking about, about the concept of neo-feudalism, because it seems like we're going somewhere new, uh, but it resembles what we had before capitalism. We're regressing in a way. And uh, I totally get the, um, desire to like put a name on it, right? Uh, and there are a lot of similarities, um, but it, that system is still capitalism. We should just call it capitalism, and we're experiencing the the you know uh, the crisis of capital, um, and and it's you know potentially collapsing. I hope it does, but it, it's more likely to just keep dragging on and and you know destroying more and more lives. Uh, and I think the reason it may, might feel like Oh, we're we're we've gone past some tipping point. We're entering a new epoch. Is because for our parents' generation, they experienced like this blip that was just the total exception to cap- what capitalism usually produces, which is you know uh, strong labor protections, a welfare state, like a, a, a much more egalitarian economy than we 
know now and then that we had also seen before it so that was like really the blip on the radar that was this big giant exception to the rule of capitalism now we're just going back to normal social democracy seems nice (laughs) we'll never know i don't know sounds cool um that's something louisa said to me a long time ago i thought it was really interesting which is that if you're a millennial you probably have more in common with like your great grandparents than your parents because they also were living in a particularly precarious situation especially if you're like immigrants your great grand if your great grandparent was like the first generation immigrant or something like that them you know living in a city and not knowing how they were going to get by and all this stuff this is you know could be arguably kind of similar to your dumb life where you live in the city near the town where you grow up or whatever and you're not sure what the fucking job you're going to get next is and all this stuff and like that has way more of a like a collective history than this thing that is just in our direct rear view mirror that everyone argues is was supposed to be permanent and for some mm-hmm. reason went away uh, right. the, the suburbs and the fucking you know 70s and all that shit it was permanent for 60 years and is no longer permanent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess to kind of put a cap on it, the this this thing where we're asking, what is this new thing, this new novel situation where you're, you know, you're a worker with no power and you're completely alienated from all the other things in the, you know, the chain of uh, production that you're in and you are just listless and alone in a city and you're, you know, zipping around getting jobs done and, you know, you'll never own property. What is that? Right. <laughs> Why? That's and not to capitalism. Quote, to quote Karl Marx, that's capital. Right. <laughs> that's fucking that's capital, said. Tim. Right. <laughs> um, I don't think so, Tim. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the alienation of it is what makes it capitalism, right? It would be feudalism if it was like, all uh hexed off into little cells that you can't escape or whatever but the 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 very freedom of it where you can move anywhere you want except for like up you know is uh, (laughs) that's the fucking thing right right Um, that's the very yeah the very limited freedom we have is to choose which person exploits our labor exactly yeah no yeah uber will never own you because you can go be owned by Lyft or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what the libertarian argument is like. That's how you fight, right? Yeah. Working for a different person. Fucking stupid. Um, I will close right. out now by reading um, a passage from the robot that I've been talking to the entire time. This episode is uh, so closeth nay matter how far couldn't beast much more from the heart. <laughs> Forever trusting who ist we art, <laughs> and nothing else matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> beautiful, um, beautiful poetry. Thank you. I wrote that. <laughs> this is actually kind of awesome in old English. Never hath, never hath opened myself this way. <laughs> ours, we liveth to our way. Mm. All these words, I just not saith. And nothing else matters. And nothing else matters. All right. And then that's enough lyrics from nothing else matters. <laughs> All right. <that's> enough. <laughs> I'll link the Shakespeare bot in the episode if anyone wants to play with it. I think I'm going to put more like I think I'm going to try putting Marianne Williamson into it and see what happens. Yeah, we're going to be doing this for some time now. Send us send us your ideas for the Shakespeare bot. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, uh, that's uh, all I got. You guys got anything for the? You want to plug or? I I could uh, I could do a plug. Should I do a plug? Plug it up, baby. Well, you know, all this talk about company towns in space reminds me of the pilot (laughs) I made about a company town in space that you can watch on Vimeo, and I will put in the link of this description. It's called Space Trash. James Austin Johnson is in it. He plays a cop who is very religious with his wife he is sexually attracted to. Um, And, uh, yeah, check that out. And if you're a big, fancy media man, come and save me from the life I live. Um, Otherwise, Ballin' Out Super, Theater of Delights, Pod Damn America. These are my shows. I'll see you around the building. Uh, at Anders Lee here on Twitter, Dursley One on Instagram. Check out my other job, Redacted Tonight, YouTube, Portable.tv. And um, lately, people have been talking about raising money for – I know a lot of our audience is going to have no interest in this, but uh, the two Georgia Senate seats, uh, people are saying, oh, donate to Lincoln Project, donate to the campaigns themselves. And if you actually want to help – uh, the best way to do that, and this is just for really uh, building working class power in Georgia in general, there are a number of groups that are labor affiliated that are actually doing the groundwork on this stuff and more uh, that you should check out. And they're on um, Jane McAlevey's website. Uh, go there and check out Help Georgia Senate Fight. And there's groups like New Georgia Project Action Fund, Movement Voter Project, people who are doing great work that's going to last longer than just this next, you know, two months. Um, uh, they're actually building lasting institutions in Georgia that are going to help working people. So check that out. All right. Uh, my other show is Why You Mad. And if you enjoy our show, um, we have merch on our big cartel site. I think I'm going to put some new stuff up there soon. We're going to have like a new logo and shit. Um, listen to our bonus episodes on patreon.com slash America. We put out lots of bonus stuff and we love you very much. And we need you to buy our show. Um, we just want what's best for you. Yes, we do. And uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that shit. Um, yeah, I think that's you're, it. You're so handsome. I'm doing a show on Monday if you're in Brooklyn. Look at my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> inside, outside, outside, not inside. <laughs> it's inside, safe. It, the people shouldn't do that. Okay. Um, I think it's that's finished. It. It's finished. You uh, finished. It's doth yeah. finished. Here, finished. <laughs>